Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of Special Encounter. It's good to have you along. Evan Fowler here for Bot Radio Network. In the studio with me is Greg Steer. He's the founder and CEO of an effort and an organization called Dare to Share, and that's the number two in the middle. Uh, We're going to learn all about Dare to Share. It's an opportunity for your church to get involved if you think it's something that your church can handle and you're going to find out all about it. So stay with us. Greg, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Evan. Glad to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about where who you are, where you came from, because it sort of uh, lays the foundation for what you're doing now with Dare to Share. You bet. You know, I don't come from a typical religious church-going, you know, pew-sitting, Bible-reading family. I come from a family filled with bodybuilding, tobacco-chewing, beer-drinking thugs. And, and that's just the women. I mean, it was, a, <laughs> it was a tough family growing up. I was raised, you know, every city has its city. Uh, it's high crime rate area. And I was raised in North Denver, which at the time was the highest crime rate area in our city. And my family had something to do with the crime problem. Uh, three of my uncles are title-winning bodybuilders. The fourth one can bench press 500 pounds. The fifth one was a Golden Gloves boxer. My mom was the only girl in the group, and they were all afraid of her. I mean, my family was tough. Uh, the Denver Mafia knew my uncles as the crazy brothers. So when the Mafia thinks your family's dysfunctional, that's not good. <laughs> so uh, what led to all of that? I mean, why, why did they all head in this particular direction? Do you have any, any I, To be honest with you, I have no idea. I think it was a reaction to the neighborhood, and they were just they were just full of testosterone, and they were angry. They wanted to fight, and I saw a lot of violence as a kid growing up, and both inside my house and right outside my house. And uh, it was, for me, I wasn't a tough kid. I was just scared. I was scared of my own family. I was scared of my neighbors. And uh, it was a scary time. So if your mom said your uncle's going to give you a whooping, uh, you took off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I took off. They said, if my mom said, I'm going to give you a whooping, you know. <laughs> One of my most vivid childhood memories is her with a baseball bat. Uh, a guy she had married left, left her, left us pulled up one day and she just took the bat to that car and then he got out she took the bat to him and I'll never forget her walking up the sidewalk to our house with this broken bloodied bat thinking to myself I will never disobey my mother again and I was five years old that's permanently imprinted on my soul so this is my family you know full of rage full of anger full of steroids and they were just looking for a fight in and out of jail and a preacher from the suburbs of Denver in a city called Arvada whose nickname was Yankee, even though he spoke with a Southern accent. Long story. (laughs) He had planted a church there. A guy who went to his church named Bob Daly was a believer who knew my Uncle Jack, the toughest one of my uncles, and he was too afraid to share the gospel. So he dared Yankee to share the gospel with my Uncle Jack. Yeah, you showed me a picture of your Uncle Jack, uh, not somebody to mess with. No, no, big guy, tattoos everywhere, big lamb chop sideburns, talk like this. It's, always had two beer cans, one for drinking beer, one for spit and chew, you know. So Yankee is, was fearless, went to his door, knocked on the door. Um, Jack came to the door with his two beer cans and uh, he said, what do you want? He goes, I'm here on a dare from Bob Daly uh, to tell you about Jesus. He goes, well, I don't know Jesus, but I know Bob, so I'll give you five minutes. And in that five minutes, Yankee articulated the gospel of Christ, that Jesus came for sinners, that Jesus loves him. He died on the cross for all of his sins. He rose again, and by faith alone, he can have eternal life. And he said, does that make sense? And in that moment, uh, Jack put his faith in Christ and was transformed and began to share the gospel with everybody. Wow. And so then what happened 
to the rest of your family. One by one by one, they felt like steroid-filled dominoes, you know. They <laughs> all came to Christ. And I was just a little guy. I watched the transformation of my family. I got involved with Yankees uh, Church and in the youth ministry. They had 800 teenagers in this youth ministry. They only had about 300 adults in the church. But Yankee believed in the power of the gospel and the power of unleashing teenagers to share the gospel. He believed that teenagers came to Christ quicker and they spread the gospel faster and farther than adults. And so I remember being trained and equipped and unleashed as a teenager to share the gospel. Now, what about your mom? You know, my mom uh, never thought God could forgive her because she had lived a pretty—just like the woman at the well with the baseball bat, right? Yeah. Had lived a pretty wild life. She actually almost aborted me. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell tell uh, tell us about uh, your your dad. Yeah, who you never met. Right? I never never met my biological father. They had a very short term relationship. She found out uh, she was pregnant. He was in the army. He got transferred when he found that out. And so she drove from Denver to Boston to have an illegal abortion. It was before Roe v. Wade. And my grandparents found out and said, "You come back and have that kid, and we'll help you raise him." And mm. uh, she never told me that she almost aborted me. My grandma told me. But sometimes when she would look at me, she would just start crying. And I remember from the time I was 11 years old starting to share Christ with my mom. And she said, God could never forgive me. And, and a year after year, I'd share Christ with her. When I was 15 years old, I share Christ with my mom one more time. And she's smoking a cigarette at the dinner table. She says, you mean to tell me that Jesus died for all my sins? I go, yeah. Hmm. She goes, you mean to tell me all I got to do is put my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross and I'm forgiven? I go, that's what Jesus said, Ma. And she took a drag from her cigarette, and she said, Amen. And she put her faith in Christ in that moment. And I was able to share the gospel with her because Yankee trained me to share the gospel. He trained all of us. And so the heart for Dare to Share came out of literally seeing my entire family transformed by the power of the gospel of Christ. And as a teenager, I was like, why aren't we all sharing Christ with everybody? Why aren't other churches doing that? What if we could unleash teenagers everywhere with the gospel of Christ? Yeah. Well, now you just you mentioned. Were you talking about your your grandmother, uh, who who would just who would well up with tears uh, when she looked at you? Or were you well, it was about my you? mom. It was your my mom. mom would, your mom. Yeah. Okay. Because she felt so guilty mm. for almost aborting me. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, what, that's what a story, you know. And and the, those stories go on every single day. And I've heard a number of accounts where it's the grandparents who stepped in yeah. and said, no, we'll, you know, we'll raise them if we need to. Well, behind it all was a praying grandma. Uh, she and uh, my grandparents were Baptists, and even though all of her kids were rebels and in crime, she just continued to pray for them day after day after day, and one by one, they came to Christ. And God used Yankee in a powerful way to not only lead us to Christ, but to to equip us to lead others to mm. Christ. Well, you know, you talked about the dare that uh, Yankee took from the the sort of the the friend who knew Jack, your uncle Jack. Is that where dare to share came from? Is that where the name came from? You know, maybe subconsciously because I think in in my mind it's always been about the dare, the dare to share the good news of Christ. And we've been training, you know, we started Dare to Share in 91, have been daring students to share the gospel and actually unleashing them to do that. We've been able to train a million teenagers from coast to coast how to share the good news of the gospel. But during our trainings, we actually take time to go out and do it. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen in a room full of thousands of teenagers, 
these thousands of teenagers unleashed in cities all across America to share the hope of Christ. And they're terrified, but which is awesome because it makes them pray, makes them trust the Lord. And then they go out and they come back and it's like a dance party because they want to share their stories and they were able to share Christ. We have them all text a friend and begin a gospel conversation that way as well. So it's awesome to see. And we're going to get into what Dare to Share is about and what's coming up in September here in just a, a little bit. Uh, but let me jump back to you. Age 15, Yep. You've, you share the gospel with your mom at the dinner table. She accepts Christ. Take us from there in terms of your life and, and where you've gone since that time. Well, you know, when I was 15, I remember talking to Yankee because we had this huge youth ministry, the largest youth ministry in Colorado. It may have been the largest youth ministry in the United States, 800 teenagers. And most of them came to Christ through that youth ministry. And I went to Yankee and I go, Yankee, why don't we train other churches how to do this, how to share the gospel, and how to grow? Because we can't do this all by ourselves. Well, he was so busy with what was on his plate, he wasn't able to do that. So I thought, I'm going to do that. So I got on the phone. I started calling churches. I got a hold of Community Baptist Church in Clay Stone, uh, who was the youth pastor there. I go, you don't know me, but I go to this youth ministry, and he knew about it because it's huge. And I said, I'd love to come down and train your teenagers how to share the gospel. And he goes, what are you doing this Wednesday night? I'm like, I'm riding my bike to your church. And so I rode my bike over there trained 30 kids at Community Baptist. I think that was the unofficial start of Dare to Share. And what year was that? That was when I was 15. So that was uh, 81. So it was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. This has been going on for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've been a a pastor by by profession, shall we say, right? Yeah. So 91, I planted a church in Arvada, Colorado. Uh, with my friend. I was a roofer. He was a tire store manager. So it was like Dumb and Dumber Planet Church. We, we, <laughs> but both of us had been raised with that, that youth ministry. So we knew kind of what to do. And God blessed the church and it began to grow. Started Dare to Share on the side uh, because I wanted to train students. And then after um, April 20th, 1999, um, the Columbine High School shooting took place. And um, I knew a lot of the kids at Columbine High School and my wife's a teacher in the same district, uh, Jefferson County. And I resigned from being a pastor so I can focus full-time on reaching and training and mobilizing teenagers with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned that before we went on the air, you, you'd mentioned that uh, connection to Columbine. Uh, you know, And that was really kind of the first of these pub- heavily publicized mm-hmm. school shootings. What's going on? What's going on with our, our young people that uh, we've gotten to that point? Because, you know, back when I was in, you know, and before I was in, in uh, high school, junior high, uh, kids would bring rifles to school because they were going to go hunting after school. Yeah. And it was not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, what What's changed? What's changed in our culture and our society? I think there's a brokenness in this next generation. Uh, and I think technology has accelerated that. And it, um, just from cyberbullying to um, online porn and the guilt that comes with that and just the access to, to you know violent movies and violent games and the really ultimately I think it's been the obliteration of a lot of our moral roots and our moral uh, pillars that we have in our faith. And when you keep telling kids, hey, you're just a result of an accident, you know, uh, evolution, random chance, well, why not? You know, if there's no moral code, why yeah. not? And that's being preached in the schools, yeah. if you will. It, it, it It's amazing the, the kinds of things that, that kids are learning these days and what's being taught them, and that's one of them, certainly, is evolution. Yeah. So what, what we try to do is really help students know 
uh, two things. Every teenager needs security and significance. Security that they're unconditionally loved by Heavenly Father and significance that they have a purpose and a mission right now. And so that's what – when students get a hold of that, that, man, God loves me. I have a daddy in heaven who loves me unconditionally, and I have a purpose on earth, and that is to live for him and to speak for him, to share Christ uh, they get excited. You know, and you can tell young people that. You can tell them that God, that, that they were created by God and that they, that they are, they mean, each, each individual means something to God. You can tell them that, but how do you convince them that that's true? Yeah. Well, and I think that's, I, I, there's several different ways. I mean, traditional apologetics you can use, but I do think that the power of the gospel, what I tell students when they're sharing their faith, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. When you present the gospel, there is a chord down deep in the soul of a teenager or an adult for that matter that reverberates because we know it's true down deep inside. Right. Romans 1 says they suppress the truth by ungodliness. So it's almost like I imagine them sitting on a trunk of truth trying to hold it down and it's trying to get out. They know it's true down deep inside and the Spirit of God begins a conviction process and a transformation process when they believe it. Well, you know, Blaise Pascal, I believe it was, who said that there's a God-shaped hole that each of us have. And uh, when you begin to fill that hole the right way, yeah, you know, and it's not just a one-time thing. Well, you know, God loves you. Oh, great. Uh, it, you have to at least be introduced to that concept. Yeah, then, totally. And then <clears throat> it may take, uh, you know, it's going to take some further education and study and learning and and sharing with one another to to where they really have a, an understanding, where they've got it. Well, right? and, 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 and in addition to that, teenagers have extreme influence on their peers. So the best oh, ones yeah. to reach a teenager are other teenagers. You know, if I come up to a teenager and start sharing Christ, I'm just an old adult, you know. <laughs> but if the, a teenager begins to share Christ with their friends, it has a lot of impact. And so that's why, you know, our mission statement at Dare to Share is energize the church to mobilize youth to gospelize their world. And so really equipping our young people to articulate the gospel to their own peers. And I believe when we do that, we're going to see exponential growth in the church through the youth ministries. If you've just joined us, I'm talking with Greg Steer. He's the founder and CEO of Dare to Share. And we're going to get into the mechanics of how Dare to Share works. And we're going to be talking about an event coming up in September that you all will want to be uh, consider being involved in and getting your church involved in. But I want to first ask you about, uh, you'd mentioned that, that you have reached a million teens thus far through Dare to Share. Um, well, I'm always interested in results and, yeah. and outcome. Okay, so you've got a million. How do you measure where those million are and what they're doing right now? Because as with every effort to evangelize, as is the case in every church, you have people that sort of fall off and sure. fall by the wayside, and they're pulled by the world. And so they're, in terms of being effective for, you know, for the Lord, they're not so, not so much. So how do you measure where those million kids are and how they're doing? Yeah. So we don't measure the students directly. Uh, we actually measure the youth ministries that are involved. And so what we try to do is work with youth leaders to help them see what we call new conversion growth. So what percentage of their youth groups are new believers that have been led to Christ and kind of are plugged into the church? And so what we're seeing is a growing number of uh, growing percentage of new conversion growth in these participating churches. For us, that's the best test of whether not just people, kids are getting led to Christ, but if they're sticking, 
and getting involved. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we measure. Uh, we just did a uh, three years ago did a, a massive national survey and saw that 10% of our participants were seeing 25% new conversion growth or more per year, which is really good. And it kind of goes down from there. But yeah. long term, uh, I, I feel like our goal is to really help build, not just help students chuck seeds of the gospel, but to help youth leaders build a greenhouse. So those seeds... Discipleship. Yeah, d- exactly. Yeah. So it grows and multiplies. You want to see growth. You want to see those teens grow into godly adults who are continuing to have influence in their world. And, and here's where evangelism really does help with that, Evan, because... Uh, Evangelism is the one thing we do where we have skin in the game. In other words, for a student, um, they could lose a friendship, and they're right. risking that friend. And the core call of discipleship is pick up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. Well, that first death is a social death. And the early disciples suffered that social death before they suffered a physical death. And our students, when they share Christ, are risking that social death, and that will help them grow faster than anything. Mm. And that's something I assume you you warn them about. Yeah. You tell them that, you that you know, there's a sacri- potential sacrifice here if you do this. Count the cost. That's right. And they do. It's awesome to see. That's neat. All right. Well, let's move on. Talk. Let's talk about September 23rd upcoming. Uh, what's going to happen on September 23rd? So September 23rd, we're launching a national initiative called Dare to Share Live. And Dare to Share Live is a live simulcast event that'll happen, be broadcast live from Denver to at least 50 locations across the United States. My prayer is 100 cities. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is a simultaneous training. So in other words, students on the East Coast will be trained at the exact same moment as students on the West Coast. There's no tape delay. There'll be bands in every room, live MCs in every room that are pre-trained by us. It'll go back and forth and back and forth. So you have the live uh, streaming from the screen coming in. You have what's happening on the stage in that room. So it's a live event in the room. And then every student will have a Dare to Share live app where they can talk to each other. Kids in Brooklyn can talk to students in Kansas City, can talk to students in San Diego. Well, will they be able to? Will the people in Kansas City be able to understand the kids who are talking in Brooklyn because of the accent? Yeah. Just wondering. I wonder that yeah. too. <laughs> um, but they'll all be talking to each other and. Uh, there'll be Instagram, Snapchat, videos, and stills they can upload that will create gospel conversation starters. They'll all be trained and motivated to share their faith. And then for two and a half hours, they're unleashed across their cities to collect canned food for local rescue missions and to share the gospel. Then they come back for a national prayer and praise party. We'll hear stories from Miami to, to Denver to Minneapolis. And and then the goal is, uh, to cr- it's the Saturday before Sea at the Pole. So the goal is to all those friends you've engaged online, now take them back to uh, on Wednesday to see at the poll uh, to pray with you and make that public stand for Christ at see at the poll. So uh, we are praying for host churches across the nation. We're praying that God will raise up, even from this radio broadcast, pastors, youth pastors, uh, church leaders that say, you know what, we want that at our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all they have to do is go to daretoshare.live.org, and it's the number two, daretoshare.live.org, and they can see where cities we're in already that they could participate in if we're in their city, or if we're nowhere near, if they want to become a host church, they can do that as well. You know, there are a lot of uh, evangelistic efforts underway, and we've we've talked about that, uh, different things, Dare to Share and, and some others that are that have been happening and that are going to happen, doesn't there seem to be a, a big focus on sharing the gospel mm. 
right right now in our time. Yeah, I mean, it's both prayer and sharing the gospel, uh, more than I ever remember it. And what's exciting, prayer and proclamation is like nitrogen and glycerin. It leads to explosive results. You know, you mm-hmm. look in Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where the meeting was shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So the building was shaken with the power of prayer. The believers were shaken with the power of the Spirit. And then the city was shaken with the power of the gospel. And all three of those elements are going to combine at Dare to Share Live. You know who David Barton is, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, David spoke at uh, – we had a breakfast at National Religious Broadcasters. David was our speaker. And we air, we have aired what uh, David shared. And one of the things that he talked about was uh, how he has seen – uh, signs of revival going on for the last several years. Hmm. It's not just right now, but things that he has, he, as he analyzes what's going on, like the last seven or eight years, it's been building and building and building. So something, and this is really good. Our nation needs revival. Oh, yeah. Like never before. Well, and every major awakening in the U.S. history has had teenagers on the leading edge. You know, with Whitfield and Wesley in the first great awakening, Whitfield preached to large crowds. Wesley put in the groundwork, you know, the bands and societies, the Methodists, to carry it out. Uh, and teenagers, according to Jonathan Edwards, he says the revival has been chiefly among the young. Wow. Um, so uh, many of the circuit riders originally were, were young people. D.L. Moody dealt with a lot of young people. Moody, we have Moody Bible Institute today still as a result. I believe God is stirring with the adults, but I believe he— he chooses to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And there's nothing more foolish than a teenager. I have two of them myself, right? <laughs> yeah. And God rejoices to use the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. And that's why Dare to Share Live, we're trying to gather 50,000 students to have across the nation, cities across the nation, to have 300,000 gospel conversations in one day. So, I mean, I just encourage you guys, if you can go to daretoshare.live.org, again, it's a Number two, dare2sharelive.org. Sign up to be part of the prayer force. Check on how you can be a host church or see what uh, is happening in your city and pray with us that God unleashes. I'm praying it's a rally point for revival among the next generation, September 23rd. You know, you you had talked about uh, that that there are 45 churches right now at this moment that are signed up to be host churches. And your goal was 50, but but you're, now you've expanded that goal. You'd like to see 100. And, and just a brief bit of history, this uh, Dare to Share was done. These were done as big events, right, yeah. in, around the country that have been going on. And and your desire has been to scale that up. And so this is how you're scaling that up, to be make more efficient use of time and resources and to reach more teens, right? That's exactly right. So uh, we did our last two-day conference six weeks ago, and we're switching to Dare to Share Live September 23rd because I'm thinking there's so many different areas we've not been able to be be in. Yeah. And what if we could train tens of thousands of teenagers in a single day with the power of the gospel of Christ? So what I want to ask those who are listening, uh, if, if this has stirred your heart, and I would hope that it has, if you if you have a church, you, if you have a pastor who might be interested in being a host for one of these events on September 23rd, I want to encourage you to go to dare2sharelive.org. Again, dare, the number two, sharelive.org. Learn a little bit more about it and get together with some of your uh, the staff in your church, your senior pastor, your youth pastor. And talk to them about this and ask them to pray about uh, considering to, to be a host church. Uh, you know, as you said, you know, this is not the first time 
young people have been involved in spreading the gospel. You took us back to the days of Moody and way beyond that. This is something that, that we ought to be considering strongly, uh, helping out with this with this effort. And you, you know what, uh, Greg, we talked before we went on the air about the fact that sometimes we think that this is the latest, greatest way to share the gospel, and this is going to get it done. We all know that this is one effort. This is one piece of the, as you said, the mosaic, the puzzle for how we're going to reach the world for Christ. And so you don't have to take over the entire world. You don't have to you don't have to take over your entire city. If you can get a piece of your city, if you can get, uh, you know, 25 more young people mm. to spread the gospel, that's 25 more than we had before. That's exactly right. So, you know, I think we need to have that uh, that sort of over overarching look at things. You know, we're just part of the part of the deal. Well, one other thing I would really challenge people to do uh, if they go to daretoshareLife.org is sign up for our prayer force. Yeah, September 23rd, 9.23. You know, 9.23 every morning and 9.23 every night, I'm praying for – I have an alarm on my my phone, um, praying for revival on September 23rd, that God would use this event to launch a revival. So I challenge you, set your alarms for 9.23. Pray with us that God unleashes a movement. And what's going to transform this nation, again, is not moral reformation. It's not political reformation. It's spiritual transformation. And God loves to use the young people. And one of the things, too, I wanted to highlight was you mentioned all these different online methods that, that are going to be incorporated into Dare to Share, Snapchat and, and other things that probably some of us have never heard about. I think that's neat that, that uh, we as believers are taking advantage of this technology. Talk about that a little bit and how important that is to what you're doing. Yeah, so uh, at the events, we'll have Dare to Share live app where students will download it and it will have evangelism training on the app. It will have uh, Snapchat videos or Instagram videos that they can upload to individual friends or to their story where everybody can see it. And we're praying it creates a national gospel conversation because we're going to be using the same hashtag, which is let's go. Uh, and we're praying that that let's go hashtag creates a national gospel conversation. And then on the app, there'll be an evangelistic presentation that they can literally walk when they go door to door to collect canned food. They can walk people through. So everything's going to be on the app for them to be able to use, for them training to the evangelism tools, uh, to the uh, you know the Snapchat videos and Instagram videos. So really, like radio, you know, leveraging technology to get the gospel out. That's what we're going to be doing. Now, we talked about something, again, before we went on the air, seven values of an effective youth ministry. Talk about that a little bit, what those values are. So September 23rd, we want to get everybody excited, right, mm -hmm. uh, about evangelism, get them trained. But then it's like you have to train the youth leaders how to build a youth ministry to really see it going uh, on an ongoing basis, to really create momentum. And so these seven values will help them do that. From intercessory prayer to relational evangelism to disciple multiplication. And we have an app called Gospel Advancing Ministry where youth leaders can download that for free, take a diagnostic to see how strong they are in those seven values, mm -hmm. and learn from other youth leaders across the nation and now across the world who are implementing those seven values so they can grow in a sustainable way and not just, you know, September 23rd rah-rah event, right. but ongoing, going deep as we're going wide with the gospel, going deep in discipleship transformation as we're going wide with gospel proclamation. Yeah, and that's that's so important, too. You don't want your, your youth group just to be, you know, fun time and pizza. No. No, youth leaders today, there's so much temptation. You know, I call it juggling flame, 
flaming poodles. Okay, kids, <laughs> we're going to juggle flaming poodles today. And now break up and talk about how you felt when I set those poodles on fire. And and it's pizza. Here's the lesson. Don't have sex before you're married. And, and kids aren't getting challenged. And so what we say, it's okay to have some fun and games. But let's get to the serious business of prayer. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the serious business of unpacking God's word and showing how relevant it is. Let's deal with those tough issues. You know, let's talk about evolution and creation. Let's talk about homosexuality. Let's talk about the transgender issue. And let's see what scripture has to say about that. And then let's unleash these students with the gospel of Christ. And then let's share stories about what God's doing. Very good. Well, Greg, it's been great having you here. And uh, everybody, pray for Dare to Share. And go to Dare to, the number two, share, daretosharelive.org to find out more. And pray about getting your church involved, because let's see if we can help Greg get to 100 churches. Wouldn't that be great? Amen. Yeah. For Bot Radio Network, this is Evan Fowler. Thanks for listening today.